Welcome to another edition of Against the Current. We're coming to you from Freedom Summit 2018, AM560's annual conference that gathers conservatives in the Chicago metropolitan area to hear from national speakers of some renown and profile. And uh, that describes our guest on this edition. He's James O'Keefe, the founder of Project Veritas, the book American Pravda, the work product I think you've become familiar with, the uh, Gorilla G-U-E-R-I-L-L-A, videos of... Uh, members of the D.C. press corps, of engineers at Twitter, of Democrat political operatives, of Democrat incumbent office holders, a wide range of investigative projects James O'Keefe has done, and we're pleased to have him on this edition to talk about some of those. James, thanks for being with us. Great to be here. Thank you. So uh, as we're just up against the midterm elections, I, I suppose your recent videos should be, is a good place to start. Uh, Claire McCaskill, the incumbent senator from Democrat Center for Missouri, who's facing a tough re-election battle, did not take particularly kindly to you comparing and contrasting what she says publicly versus what she and her staff say privately about some of her positions. It's kind of blown up in Missouri. We did this these videos we, for about three to six months. We were investigating her and her staffers. And in Missouri, these red state Democrats it's a very tough climate because they have to appeal to their moderate voters but also appeal to the progressive base. So they have to make a choice as to how they're actually going to govern once they're elected. So the premise was, let's just find out the answer to that question. Let's talk to them behind closed doors to see what they would actually do legislatively after election. So we talked to McCaskill herself and we talked to all of her staff in her Columbia, Missouri campaign headquarters. And they're all saying the same thing. They say, we have to essentially lie, is what one woman said. This, this man, Nick Starost, says that Obama and McCaskill have the same views on everything, but, quote, people just can't know that. And remember, this may not sound like a big deal in Illinois or California or New York, but in, in Missouri, it's a, it's a conservative. Democrats are more conservative. So they're trying to play to the progressive base. So McCaskill, we get her on tape saying she's going to do bans on ARs, you know, like semi-automatic rifles, gun, uh, uh, ammunition, bump stocks. This is a big deal. It's a very pro-gun state. So we released this video. It just blows up in Missouri. And thanks to Claire McCaskill, because McCaskill asks for a special prosecutor to look into us. She's trying to criminalize, I guess, recording people. And in Missouri, it's perfectly legal to record people as long as you're standing next to them. So McCaskill reacts. All the local media is covering it. And it's kind of thrown a monkey wrench into the Senate race in Missouri. Well, it's interesting, too. I mean, the idea of she wants a special prosecutor, um, in part, it's for comments that she made that are of a policy nature, and she's a sitting United States senator. You would think these are the sorts of things where you have to be held to account, uh, whether you think you're speaking uh, to a, a small private group or you're giving a speech on the Senate floor. You know, and she used the word fraud. And I played here at this event here in Chicago today, her whole reaction. I mean, this is unbelievably bizarre. If you watch her reaction, she's blinking constantly. She's saying that this was fraud, that I was somehow involved with her opponent. I never met her opponent. He doesn't work for me. And she just came out and said that he was behind me, which is false. But she said it was fraud for us to record these these people that were calling it liars. And my point is... If it's fraud for me to record her people, what is it for her to misrepresent herself to the people? Is that not fraud? So the whole thing is bizarre, but you know, there's a, there's a whole pattern of behavior of the people that we catch. They'd never want to just sort of fess up. 
So there was a Senate debate um, on Thursday night in Missouri, and McCaskill was sort of fumbling and bumbling and stumbling in her response. And this is one of three states that we've done. We've done Tennessee, Phil Bredesen, we caught him. We've done North Dakota, Heidi Heidkamp. We've done McCaskill. It, it's just a target-rich environment out there for Project Veritas. You know, the interesting thing, though, now that Project Veritas over the last uh, almost 10 years has really gotten some national profile, and you've seen so many various uh, constituents of the left exposed, the, the work that you've done, you would think there'd be a little bit of circumspection with respect to people doing interviews. And so this sort of speaks to uh, apparently some talent you have to identify and develop these undercover journalists that you use mm -hmm. to ask these questions, to get these answers. How, I, how, how do you do it? I think there's two, three different things. First of all, you, you're never going to reduce corruption and lies in society. I think we're going to reduce it a little bit. And if, and if we accomplish that, then I can, I can die happy. But we're never going to eliminate it because people are always going to be bragging and blabbing in bars and blabbing in campaign offices. But then you have this other matter where there's a difference between how politicians project themselves and who they really are. And as long as there's that gap between who you behave, what you pretend to be and how you actually govern, well, there'll always be work for us. So our point is don't, don't hate the player, hate the game. Change your behavior. Have integrity. And it's not like we're filming people in their private bedrooms. I'm not crossing. I mean, I'll give you an example of who does film people in their private bedrooms. The head of the uh, Los Angeles Clippers basketball team, Sterling, a few years ago was recorded by, I guess it was his lover or wife or yes, girlfriend. Right. I mean, and he made a racial slur. Right. That was a total... I mean, I, I think what he did was reprehensible, and as far as I'm concerned, he's right to be exposed. But that was a crime to record someone in the bedroom. Nobody cared. Nobody called it fraud. In fact, the president, President Obama, praised the expose of this racial comment. So it has nothing to do with journalism ethics or our techniques. And I, what I said today in Chicago at this event was it has to do with power. It has to do with who you are investigating, whose side you're perceived to be helping, my argument is there's only one reality. There's only one truth. It, it, it's not like I'm injecting my narrative or opinion in these videos. We're just showing people what people say when no one's looking. And so how do you prioritize? Like I, I mentioned at the outset, you've uh, done a, a, an investigative report on engineers at Twitter, mm -hmm. issues like shadow banning mm -hmm. and, uh, and uh, eliminating conservative content on Twitter. Mm -hmm. So big social media giants, incumbent politicians, D.C. press corps, CNN, New York Times, others. Right, right, right. How, how do you rank or order prioritize your project? I think the biggest, the biggest target, if you will, is the media itself. Because I, I believe, and I wrote about this in American Pravda, and, and it was based on this quote I read from Alexander Solzhenitsyn, the famous gulag survivor from the Soviet Union. And he argued that the press, that the American press, has more power than all three branches of government. And that is because, because people get their information from the press and government derives its power from, a, from an informed electorate. So as far as I'm concerned, the American media is the biggest, I guess, target. Now you might say, well, you're an, I, I'm against media. I'm, I'm against the First Amendment. No, I'm pro-First Amendment. I'm pro-integrity in reporting. I think media is broken. So that's the first target, and the late Andrew Breitbart would tell me, he would say, the media is everything. The media is the most important subject 
to uncover, to expose, to hold to account. And so that's the first thing. The second thing is, um, is political corruption. Just the sacred cows, the politicians, the people who pretend to be something they're not. Third, education. Uh, I think Silicon Valley, has, I consider Facebook and Facebook and Google and Twitter to be, I know that um, uh, Sandberg from Facebook does not think Facebook is a media company. I do mm-hmm. think they are a media company. They have the lion's share of, of the advertising market. And most people consume their news. From. So those are sort of a, a high-profile subjects. Going back to the D.C. press corps and the media in general, I mean, it seems to me um, um, the position, my position has always been, look, um, just stop with the pantomime. You're a person, an organization of the left. Uh, just be transparent about it, and then people will factor that into how they consume your content rather than, this uh, pretense of objectivity, these superhuman reporters at this newspaper or this cable news station that uh, are perfectly objective and have no uh, viewpoints, no worldview, no ulterior motive, no policy agenda, no political proclivities. It's just silliness. You know, I, people have always said to me, what about your agenda? Like, why don't you, you know, and my argument is, it's not that I don't like the fact that they have an agenda. Obviously, most people on cable news does, and the media is entirely monolithic, and they're part of this Democrat media complex. They're an organ of the Democratic Party. My problem is when what you're reporting is not accurate. As long as you're showing people the facts, even if, you, even if you're even if you a socialist, Upton Sinclair actually was, was a socialist. Right. More power to him as long as he's reporting on the actual conditions of the Chicago meatpacking plants. I think Upton cared more about the unionization of the workers than he did the meat conditions. But as long as you're, as long as you're reporting facts accurately, I, I actually don't think it matters what your agenda is. My problem with the media is that they're not reporting facts accurately. It's that well, right. newspapers obfuscate, television stations, NBC News edits selectively. Every day they get in trouble for this now. CNN retracts stories. That's the problem I have with Well, the right. So, so the standard moves depending on the target. And so this is what we've seen over the last week with the uh, the bombs that were sent to various members of the Democrat, mm-hmm. various Democrat potentates, and then CNN and De Niro's restaurant in Tribeca. So the standard that was applied to who is responsible for political violence or attempts at political violence rhetorically, uh, it was Trump, according to CNN, in this instance, but it's not the left who's uh, similarly responsible for a guy in Utah who sends a rice-and-laced letter to President Trump or to Secretary Mattis. So what, what, what's the standard by which we're saying you're to blame or you're to blame or, or the way that we're reporting it and suggesting people think about it? And when the standards shift, the credibility should be challenged. And that's that's sort of my issue with CNN, just to use that as an example. Yeah, if it was the shoe was on the other foot, they would not be... Uh... Uh, uh, well, don't jump to conclusions, everyone. Right, that's right. Yeah. And and th- this is the problem that people in, in, instinctively have about the media. This is why people don't like the media. There was an article out this morning in the Washington Post, by the way, as of this filming, that uh, that uh, uh, don't compare. This is the Washington Post headline. And it says, don't compare Trump to Hitler. That does a disservice to Hitler. That's a headline in the Washington Post. There's another quote in the Washington Post. Uh, about the Michael Wolff book. This was the book written about the Trump White House. And it says, and I quote, there's no evidence to to believe he did not say, he being Steve Bannon, did not say the things 
attributed to him by Michael Wolff. Let me say that again. There's no evidence that he did not say the things attributed to him. That is an unbelievable standard. Right. You're saying that we must believe everything because there's no evidence to, to say that it didn't happen. In our case... That's consistent, by the way, with Michael Wolff's. If, you, if yeah. it sounds true, then it is. If it sound, but in our case, unless we have the lips moving, and if, if you can't see their lips moving, it didn't happen. So these are the different standards, and it's, and it's really why our, our country has become so polarized and, and tribalistic, and I think the media is just, they, they're just an organ of, of the Democratic Party. What's been the reaction you've gotten from various quarters, including the D.C. press corps itself, from the undercover work you've done looking at media? Oh, they're seething. Uh, they're, they're <laughs> they, 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 I guess they hate me more than uh, I even understand sometimes. I, I do think, though, that uh, I am trying to be very serious in how I present the material. I'm not, I don't, I don't say bombastic things. I don't inject my opinions. And people keep resigning. I mean, we did the deep state videos in September. A, a DOJ woman got fired. And the DOJ launched an ethics probe. A government auditor got let go by the, by the government auditor's office. All this stuff makes the Washington Post... So I think the arc of the of the moral universe is is long, but it it tends to bend. I mm. think that I think that as we continue to do this work, what are they going to do? Put me in jail? I mean, that's what they say, but that's absurd. And I think that over time, the argument now be, is becoming: Why don't you go after the Republicans? And and you know we will, and we have. But um, it's a very interesting reaction. I spoke in Pittsburgh at this Duquesne University event earlier this week with the New York Times head and the uh, uh, Washington Post head editor on a panel. And it, was, and it was remarkable because I said, you guys need to practice introspection. You need to be curious about, about your problems in your institutions. There is, a, there is a virus inside of your guys' institutions, and it needs to be uncovered. So we'll, we'll, I think over time we'll have more honest conversations with the media. Right now the two groups are not having a conversation. They're not talking to each other. Do you hope uh, we have a, an organization in Illinois called the Edgar County Watchdogs? A couple of retired guys down in southern, well, central southern Illinois, who got together and started foying documents from local units of government. Started showing up to board meetings, started talking to people, and their entire uh, rationale uh, for their approach is ask two questions: Who says? And what proof do you have? Challenging any claim. Who says and what proof do you have? That's Those are the two questions we want answered. And just through, mostly through the use of the FOIA law and a lot of legwork, I mean, they've been responsible over the last three or four years for knocking out more than 200 local elected officials in mm. Illinois, including some local prosecutions. And I wonder if you see what you're doing at the macro level, taking on these federal institutions or national institutions, if you would like to see that uh, uh, devolve down to the local level to see more citizen journalists do something on par with what you're doing or something in between what the Edgar County Watchdogs are doing right. and you're doing. I think that would be a good start. I mean, this is newspapers used to have people in every capital city. We tend to focus more on political corruption in, in federal, the federal level, I guess, sometimes even at the state level. But uh, I think that there's a movement for transparency and accountability. This is a sunlight is the best disinfectant. Again, we live in a world right now which is so dominated by narrative and, and by conjecture and by opinion and, and sort of postmodern tropes 
the Supreme Court is illegitimate. You know, the, the, these, the, Trump needs to apologize for the pipe bomb. I mean, it's all just, it's all just crap. And, and I, I think what you said about reporting is, is, is accurate. It's, it's just who, what, when, where, why. And is there evidence behind this, these facts? I think journalism has become all about anonymous sources. And I, I understand that anonymous sources are, are sometimes needed to protect source. I think it's being abused. I think these institutions are, every time you use an anonymous source, you're drawing on credibility that you've built up. But there's, there's, the credibility has, has gone so down that I don't trust them anymore to relay to me what is actually happening. That's why the standard that we hold ourselves to is, is video. That is to say, we film the sources, or it did not happen. We film it, or it didn't happen. I could have said to you, oh yeah, we, we, there's a guy inside the government auditor's office who's a self-described communist who doesn't show up to work and in fact lied on his forms, and you would have said, I don't believe you. That's what you would have said to me. So we have to do that, and I think that, um, I think that over time, as, as technology expands, and as the proliferation of, of what's happening inside these offices expands, I think you're going to see, see the pendulum swing back to a more transparent uh, society where policies are enacted that are the right policies, not just based on what the media tells us. In terms of just operational issue, the operational approach, uh, do you select target targets or target sectors? Or do you get tips and you say, this is juicy, uh, we're going to follow this up and see if there's a there there or some combination? I think some combination. Increasingly, we're getting leakers and whistleblowers. So, for example, the Twitter videos that we did uh, earlier this year involved engineers who were saying, we shadow ban people and here's how we do it. So we got this one guy, Pranay Singh was his name, and he's talking about if the tweet contains the word God, the word guns, and, and the words American flag, he goes, you're more likely, you're likely to be a Russian bot, which is like an absurd thing to say because most of the people at this conference here in Chicago I spoke to have tweeted about these things every day. Right. But, but how do we get that? How do we find him? We found him because, you know, someone inside Twitter would communicate with us securely through encrypted messaging and saying, there's this guy named Pranay Singh who does this. That way, our undercover investigator has a shortcut to get to the destination, as opposed to just spending nine months in San Francisco snooping around. Increasingly, we have people who come to us, and the people that do would lose their jobs if anyone knew that they were talking to me. Sure. So we have to be very careful. The, the difference is we have to, um, we never want to hurt a source, but We'll use the information from the source to direct our investigators. So we have this guerrilla, I guess you'd call it, you know, guerrilla journalism SEAL Team 6 over here. Mm -hmm. And then we have these tipsters and sources over here, and that informs where our undercovers go. Do you think that uh, the work that you did on Twitter uh, in some ways informed or amplified the uh, scrutiny that Twitter and the other social media companies came under this year I would with like respect to, to Congress? I would like to think so. I mean, the, the shadow banning thing blew up in recent months, and that was a word that no one even knew about. Now, there is more coming after the election. Twitter calls it shadow banning, but Facebook calls it something else. So we have more videos and reporting that we'd like to do, and I, I think the social media companies have all the power now. They, yeah, they, Facebook, I think, calls it diamond and silking. <laughs> from, from the congressional I hearings. love their appearance in the congressional hearing. And, and uh, listen, I've got 400 and 
70,000 followers on Twitter, and I'm not actually a verified person. Jack Dorsey has not verified my account. Um, it's unbelievable. Yeah. I don't know why not. Something to aspire to. There you verification. go. Uh, going back to your team, like, give us a sense of like how you recruit and develop talent to do the work that you do, because this is sort of a, these are high wire acts. This is a very difficult thing finding people and recruiting them and training them. I mean, you have to have a bizarre combination of skill sets. You have to be mission-driven. I think that's the most important thing. But you can't be a sycophant. In other words, you can't just be a fanboy. You have to, right. because it's one thing to just say, I like what you do. It's another thing to go out and do it. Um, so you have to be willing to spend, you know, evenings in hotel rooms away from your family. You have to be oftentimes something you're not. You have to operate under an alias. Uh, and you have to be willing to get on an airplane anytime. You have to be creative. You have to be hardworking. Um, you have to be willing to have your voice in a YouTube video. So a lot of, if you're a former detective or a former spy or whatever, a lot of those people don't want to be in a video. You, we, you, you will get burned. It's, it's only a matter of time. Some of our best people have gotten burned. Now we did this thing with the Washington Post. Well, you try to plant a fake story. We didn't, we didn't try to plant a fake story in that case. We were posing as a source, a victim, to meet with the Washington Post reporter so that we could covertly film that conversation. So our undercovers draw people out by, by, uh, I guess, figuring out what they need, being that thing, right. and then, and then having an honest conversation. And, and uh, it's a very tough thing to hire for. We have a thousand people apply and we hired about a dozen people. So it's, it's a, and, and by the way, most of the people who applied were not, you know, did not fit the bill. So it's, it's a tough thing. And I've learned that the way to hire is usually just do it, do it one at a time, the old fashioned way. And you've got, I mean, you know, you've had some people who out operative the operatives because that's really what you are in part as an operative. And, the uh, piece that you did uh, before the 2016 election on uh, Bob Kramer, who's uh, the husband of Jan Schakowsky, right. convicted felon, of course, uh, and uh, another Democrat uh, contract worker, Scott Fogel, mm -hmm. trying to recruit Illinoisans to illegally vote in Wisconsin yeah. to help Hillary Clinton vote, commit voter fraud to help Hillary Clinton win Wisconsin. Yeah, that was a video. Uh, that was the, probably the biggest investigation of our organization's history here in Chicago, Scott Fulver from Wisconsin was telling our guy that that he wants to use used cars and, and license plates to get people across the border. He says, we've been busting people in and around these rallies to foment violence, using homeless people, uh, calling Bob Creamer the dark hat at Democracy Partners, mm -hmm. and how they take money from Hillary and, and I guess, launder it through these mechanisms and and they were all fired from the campaign just weeks before the election. Um, Bob Creamer throwing these people under the bus, and then he was terminated by uh, Donna Brazil uh, at the DNC. Donna Brazil uh, th thought that I had bugged the DNC's headquarters. We don't again. We don't do that. We don't put listening devices and walk away. We always are with the people that we're talking to. So there's at least one person that they know that they're standing nearby as they spill all these beans. That was a big story. And some people credit it with having an impact on the presidential election. Trump mentioned it in the debates with Hillary. Hillary never denied being involved in this. And, and Bob Creamer was one of Barack Obama's best friends. Bob, Bob Creamer's a big deal. And um, kind of the heart and soul, we kind of, we kind of tore, tore the heart out of that mechanism. It was, a, it was a pretty big deal. Yeah, we were... 
enjoyed very much watching uh, that uh, metaphorical heart beat in your hand before the 2016 election for people in Chicagoland who've gotten familiar with and exhausted by Jan Schakowsky's particular brand of communism. So we appreciated that work and uh, the continued uh, work that you do in advance of letting, you know, basically the funny thing is, as you said, is just more speech, letting people yeah. say things in yeah. their own words. They just don't know they're being recorded. Yeah, it's a very interesting paradox because they want to say that I'm some type of criminal or anti-journalist or anti-something, but but you said it perfectly. It's more reality. It's people in their own words. I can't, I can't, I, I'm not a ventriloquist. I, I would argue Bob Woodward is a ventriloquist. As I said, Bob Woodward relays quotes secondhand from other quotes six months after the incidents in question and then puts those, those quotes in quotation marks using poetic license. What is that if not ventriloquism? What we do is people talk and we film it. And we put it out there. And if people want to do this on the on the left or on the right or to Republicans, please do. Right. If there's a if, yeah. if there's some scummy Republican who's lying, film him. And if you want me to, then I guess send me a donation so I can do more of what I do. And if you don't like it, then just follow mom's advice. Don't do anything you wouldn't want seen on the six o'clock news. Yeah, there is an ethical line. We 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 try not to go after the private personal. I guess, sexual nature of right. people's lives. I, I don't think that's in the public interest. This is all people in their professional capacity. These are, these are United States senators running for election, lying to the people. And, and, I, and I think that that's a you know, perfectly necessary thing in democracy to go undercover to expose. But again, this has nothing to do with journalism ethics. The people that don't like us, it comes down to power. It comes down to whose side do you, are you, who, what, what, what are the conclusions of your reporting? What are the policies that are going to be supported by the facts you uncover? And that's why I think it's such a dishonest, that the criticisms of our work are so dishonest. It has nothing to do with ethics or editing. It's about, it's about who we're going after. That's what it's about. He is James O'Keefe, the founder of Project Veritas, the author of American Pravda. Continue to watch for his work. Who knows where he'll show up and who he'll show off in the coming weeks and months and years. James O'Keefe, thanks so much for joining us on this edition of Against the Current. Appreciate Thank you for it. having me.